Oh my gosh, we are in a galaxy far, far away, but it still feels like home because we see old familiar faces like Lauren here. Welcome to the Rebel Scum Podcast Network. She's Lauren, I'm Andrew, uh, and we are hijacking the airwaves. Brock, James, never heard of them. That we're taking over now. Um, I don't know how your your um, your Adobe skills are, Lauren, but if you mm -hmm. can just erase Brock and James's names from all these logos and put ours, <laughs> that would be fantastic. That's, I'll work on that. I will definitely work on that for us, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy early American Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you. Very much appreciated. We are very looking forward to our fun Thanksgiving festivities here in the in the States. So thank you very much. Appreciate that. And if I, uh, I mean, as far as I know, you guys have the exact same customs Thanksgiving wise as we do. We just do it on different days, right? Is there anything you guys do that we're like, that we don't or vice versa? I don't think so. I think we're pretty on par. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's the, it's the turkey, it's the stuffing, mashed potatoes, the, you know, the green bean casserole, all that all good stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think we're pretty, we're pretty simpatico uh us and uh our canadian brethrens uh when it comes to thanksgiving for sure so yeah yeah i think it's just different days randomly different days yeah. but same thing yeah you guys got a colder one ours is a crapshoot yeah. ours can we've literally had blizzards on our thanksgiving and we have had like shorts weather so it's yeah it's pretty it's cold it could vary but yeah we're pretty much the same when it comes to thanksgiving snow maybe but it's usually like, you know, cooler weather, cooler weather for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. As long as there's pumpkin pie, that's what makes me happy. There you go. There you All go. Right. Absolutely. So today, Lauren, we're talking about something very near and dear to our hearts. Yes. We're talking about Jar Jar Binks. Well, <laughs> that and other things. Which is true. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, we can see the photo of, of Rex behind you. But what people don't mm -hmm. know is that there's on the walls surrounding you is nothing but Gungans. Yes, yes. It's you can't see, but it's like there, there. Yeah, I have a lot of Jar Jar Binks stuff. It's ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you and James should just have like a um, MTV's Cribs where it's just Jar Jar stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> see who has the most swag. I love that. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. But apart from Gungans, we're talking about animated characters mm. who make the jump into live action mm -hmm. um unlike jar jar who was an animated character in live action he falls under a different category maybe that's a mm -hmm. video for another day but yeah. lauren what's it like to you as a star wars fan and mm -hmm. as an animation fan what's it like to see these characters come to life in flesh and blood it's it's surreal right because I think as Star Wars fans, when it came to animation, I think early on, right? We're talking Clone Wars, uh, even Rebels to a certain degree. Um, it just felt like, yeah, these are, you know, these are animation characters, right? Could we see them in live action? Maybe, maybe not. But I don't think that was a a thought though i think when they first start, you know when clone wars and then rebels came out i don't think we ever at least me i can't you know and andrew obviously you know speak speak for yourself for sure but i just never thought it would come to where those characters would be a part of the live action right would make that jump because it just i don't know it just was it was just nothing in my forethought it's something i wanted right i think as fans would you agree like yeah, dude, I want to see these characters in live action, right? 
oh, sure. It, it's definitely something that we would have welcomed with open arms. But mm. I, I think I, I get what you mean. It, we, we come from a world where the entertainment industry looks at live action as an inferior species. Yes. Uh, they, they don't treat it with the same gravitas that they would a movie, uh, where, which is wonky because half the time cartoons do it so much better. Uh, my my buddy Ryan, who does the uh, the Infinity Rewatch podcast uh, on our sister channel, there, uh, he he puts it so eloquently when he talks about the Marvel cartoons and the DC cartoons, and then when those same stories get adapted to big budget blockbuster movies, and they're somehow not as good. And he makes the point of saying, if the cartoon did it better twenty years ago, then you really have a problem on your hands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So the elitist idea out there <laughs> of like cartoons are not as good; it's not as special anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, that that idea really has to go out the window. Uh, but having said that, as cartoon fans, mm -hmm. when we see them make the jump, it always does feel like a big special moment, doesn't it? Like seeing Ahsoka for the first time in the Mandalorian. God, that felt like ah, like it was a benchmark moment. It it, it was though, right? I mean, that was. Well said, Andrew, because I think it is that moment of Ahsoka, especially her, right? Especially that character, that character that every fan fell in love with, right? Some might have been with her from day one. Some might have, it took time, right? But I think as collectively, I think as a fan group, I would, I would venture to say that everybody fell in love with that character, Right. So to see her make that jump in Mando, especially Mando, right? Because that's it was new, right? Yeah. Mando was new. It was a new character, new thing. And to bring a connective tissue like Ahsoka, that's huge, right? But then, again, you factor in the, the idea or that kind of old way of thinking that animation is just is, is for kids, right? It's... It's for, you know, it's not, it's not serious when it really is. Like, like you said, some of the animation is for me way better than some of the live action stuff. Not always, but there's a lot of things in the animation Clone Wars Rebels that is really top tier for me. So when you get that character like Ahsoka, or again, when these characters like these rebel characters in Ahsoka series show up, it's a big moment. It is a benchmark because I think that shows how important those those characters are that medium is for a lot of star wars fans that the you know lucas films felt like yeah these these characters can go into a show and it's it's gonna have a big viewing right or people are gonna love it because of these characters right not right. because of luke or han or leia or you know jedi or sith because of these characters because of ahsoka because of Ezra, because of Sabine, because of Hera, because of Chopper, people will watch the show. And that's a, that's a testament, right? I, I mean, that's a testament to how fans have, I think, interacted with animation and how it has grown, in my opinion. I don't know. I don't know if that's how you feel too, Andrew, but I think it is one of those moments where the changing of the idea of animation not being serious or, or however you want to call it, right? I mean, that's just, I don't know. That's just how I feel about it for sure. Yeah, a lot of creative people in Hollywood are definitely moving away from that notion because it is an outdated mm -hmm. one. The people in power who don't know any better, they I feel like they would still, you know, like Bob Iger would still be like, what's an Ahsoka? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, because that's just, they, they, they can't contemplate creativity. Um, and I think a big part of it too, a big part of the, the divide between the two worlds, mm -hmm. it comes from subconsciously from us. Like if you put yourself in the shoes of 2006 us, mm -hmm. right? We mm -hmm. lived under the assumption that Star Wars was finished. <laughs> Not yeah. in like a stupid Twitter, Star Wars is dead right. kind of way, but in a, yeah, it's over. They told the story. That's it. We're not getting any new Star Wars films. Right, right. And then uh, they blew our minds with that 2D Clone Wars cartoon. And we were like, mm. wow, that was something. And then mm -hmm. they blew our minds again by saying, okay, we know there's no more movies, but here's a, like a full Cartoon Network series that we're making. And for the first time since the 80s, we had a Star Wars cartoon. But this one was crafted with way more love than the Ewoks and droids shows. And it really like it adhered to a lot of the canon that we love that was present mm -hmm. just in the movies. So we kind of probably felt back then, at least I did that that was sort of the consolation prize. Like, yeah, Star Wars is over, but Hey, you got this neat show. Um, and I didn't hop on it right away. I was really, really late to the party. I, I wasn't until I, I think season four, because mm -hmm. I, part of that, most of that is for me, the blame is on me because that was the way shows, cartoon shows, I should say, were treated back then. Yes. If, if they came from a property, right? We thought like, these people aren't going to care about can and these people aren't going to care, whatever. They're just making a cartoon. This is going to be like droids, whatever. Uh, it, I didn't think that there would be that much love put into it. Mm -hmm. And then I started hearing like, yeah, they're, they brought back Darth Maul and it wasn't like cheap and stupid. Like they brought him back and it's part of the story and it's mm. the, the clone wars are going on. And he's, and I'm like, I got to see this to believe it. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. next thing I knew I'm four seasons deep and I'm like, these people understand Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's crazy too. Cause I think to your point, Andrew, the, how animation is even marketed, right? Like back then, you would have just like just like you said. I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, it's just it, it it's Ewoks, it's it's droids, it's cartoon, it's you know it it is what it is. It's 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 fun for kids." Oh, contraire, mon frere, because I don't think people realized back then how involved George Lucas was. Yes, in the entire Clone Wars project, so that should have been a big old like, "Hey guys, no, this is serious. We're taking this serious." George is involved. He is writing stories. He's in the room telling these stories and we are making them, right? Like that was what it was, but we, nobody knew that, right? Because right. of, again, like you're saying, the animation back then, it wasn't marketable maybe at the time or it was only to a certain age, right? Whereas now, you know, fast forward to, you know, 20 some, you know, almost 20 years. It is markable. You have, you know, people our age, younger, even older, watching animation because of the storytelling, right? Because of what Clone Wars did, you get stories of rebels. You get Bad Batch. You get Resistance, who, again, maybe even to, uh, that's a little bit maybe more kid, you know, for sure. But it still has some really deep themes. And I think that's one of the, I think, things that animation has hung its hat on in star Wars is the storytelling. Any, yes. any, any storytelling within that 
you know, category has been really solid. Like, I mean, from, again, from Clone Wars to Bad Batch to Rebels to Resistance, it, it's just been really, really good. Even now we're getting little stories of Tales of the Jedi, right? Right. In, in animation, not live action. Why? Because people are willing to accept that medium now. It's a, it's a game changer. And then, like you said, for those characters like Ahsoka to jump to live action, then for us fans, we're like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Now you have a whole, you know, general population of Star Wars fans, you know, the general audience who are like, oh, who's this character? And now people like us can push our nerd glasses up and be like, let me tell you <laughs> who they are. Let's watch it. Or let me tell you what you need to watch. It's 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 really I think Star Wars for me has done a very good job of doing that transition from animation to live action, right? It seems so like again to us fans, like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Like this isn't like a oh, why would they bring that character into live action? No, it works. It works in the stories they're telling. And I think that's a big part of it for sure. Right, because the stories they told in those cartoons were already so mature. And they were directed with the same love and, and TLC as they would a yep. live action thing that it didn't feel out of place. Was there a moment for you, Lauren, the first time you watched Clone Wars? Mm -hmm. Was there a moment where it clicked for you where you realized, oh, this is not like the cartoons I'm used to? Oh, man. I I don't know if there was like, I can't think of like a very specific moment, but I just remember watching, right? And, and full disclosure, I'm I'm very similar to you, Andrew. I was super late. Like I was, this was on Netflix, been on Netflix for like years, uh -huh. right? So I was super late to the party. But, you know, when I really, like 2015-ish, you know, Force Awakens coming out, I'm getting, you know, Star Wars is back. I'm getting into it a little bit more, you know, and then I, you know, I, I keep hearing, keep hearing t people talk about the show, Clone Wars. So I finally watch it and I just... Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's a specific moment, but I just remember watching it and just being like blown away. Like blown away at the stories they were telling with the characters that we were familiar with, right? right. Anakin, Obi-Wan, Yoda, Master Windu, you had Jar Jar, you had uh, you know, um Princess Amidala. like you had all those characters. And then you add in the the clones who at that time, again, when I watched it, but even I think at the time of the release. You know, we only got Attack of the Clones and you just saw them, right? You weren't ingrated with the characters of like Rex right. or Cody or Fives or any of the any of those groups. And now we have Bad Batch and everything like that. But, you know, I think it was just the, the storytelling of it blew me away. And I think just what they were doing to really, and I don't think they meant to do this intentionally, but to really bridge that gap between Attack of the Clones and... Um, Revenge of the Sith, and to be like, this is this is what happened during the Clone Wars. Like, this is it, man. These were these are on they were on missions. Obi and Anakin were in trouble a lot. <laughs> Anakin has a Padawan named Ahsoka. Yoda's doing his thing. Like, it was it was really again. You got to give credit to George and to Dave Filoni, who was a part of that too. And again, those two get the the mentions right, and we it in. As they should, George obviously, you know, all hail the maker. He's the one that started this whole thing. But you got to give it to Dave, and then the rest of the, you know, the animators, the draw, you know, everybody that was involved in Clone Wars, and then who is still involved in all the animation. That I think a lot of a lot of people that were back in the Clone Wars days are still a part of Bad Batch and in, in Rebels and everything like that. 
So that's why I think the continuity is so good, too, is because I think you have a lot of people who were involved back then still involved in it now. So it just makes total sense. So, yeah, just the overall vibe of the show, I just remember being like, yeah, this is good. And it wasn't, it's not, for, I mean, it, it is for kids, but it, you know as well, Andrew, some of those, some of those arcs, man, they're dark. They're oh, yeah. dark, you know? They get dark, they get very complicated, and some of the best moments on Clone Wars are moments that are hard to appreciate if you're a super little kid, right? Like, they're, it's hard to wrap your head around Mortis as an adult. Oh, right, <laughs> so, yeah, so right, right. I, like, I, I can't even imagine showing that to, like, one of my students and being like, what do you think? Right. Analyze. Yeah, um, let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> for me, the moment that made me realize what kind of show I was dealing with here was uh, it had to do with Grievous because he's one of my mm. favorites. Um, mm. And I, I had picked up the DVDs. They had the first two seasons for like super cheap somewhere. So I'm like, okay, let me watch the show on DVD. Let me see what it's like. So I picked up the DVDs and there was an episode where uh, it was one of the early ones, season one, where Obi-Wan and Anakin and Padme, they all get stuck aboard Grievous's ship. Oh, okay. Um, I think Ahsoka was there too. I'm not sure, but the three of them were definitely on the ship and they were trying to find each other and escape. And I'm sitting there with my, how cartoons used to be mentality. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, these guys don't care about the lore. Uh, in, in Revenge of the Sith, when Anakin goes into Grievous's ship, that's the first time they meet. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause Grievous says like, Oh, I finally met you, whatever. And I'm like, these guys don't care. They're going to make Anakin fight Grievous. because It's a cartoon, whatever. And then they never ended up meeting mm -hmm. and for the whole season. They never ended up meeting. And I'm like, do these people actually care? And then I saw a special <laughs> feature on that DVD where Filoni says like, I had to be very careful because I had this episode and I had to make sure Anakin and Grievous never end up in the same room. And I was like, I'll hail this cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that attention to detail. Yes. Right. I think that's a big major part of why, these characters from animation going to live action isn't that really again surprising to us because again the writing has been so good how they have set up those stories within those shows it all just connects like you're saying like they knew they're aware that you know grievous and nan can never meet until that moment like they knew how to maneuver all that right there's a lot of things that like you're saying that they could have just thrown caution to the wind and be like well who cares right it's but no they cared they cared a lot and you can tell again in the storytelling and just how they how they showed these characters in that era too during the clone you know during clone wars or rebels like they really want it to be right they want it to again like you're saying follow the lore right they don't want to mess it up they didn't want to mess it up and, and, and they were right, and they, they did it so well. And I think that's why shows like the Ahsoka series work so well on so many levels is because of the setup, because of the character themselves, because of what they have set up within these shows that, yeah, maybe you could argue that, you know, if you haven't watched Rebels or Clone Wars, yeah, maybe Ahsoka series was a little bit kind of hard to follow, but I mean... If even if you didn't, they you could still get like the the general vibes, right? Of what kind of transpired prior to, but it, it, but I think what what is satisfying for us fans that have watched all that, 
it, it pays off, right? The payoff when they go into live action, they do these shows, and the stories just continue as if they were, you know, gone from animation right to live action. It's seamless. It really is. It's seamless almost. They do a really good job. They really do. And because the cartoons are so well done, it's not like we're sitting here thinking, oh, these characters like Ahsoka are so good. Please put them in live action so that you can do something with them. Like mm -hmm. there have, we've already been doing great stuff with them. And right. this just feels like more of that. That's exactly what you, what you said there. It's seamless. Yeah. It doesn't feel jarring. It doesn't feel like one is higher quality than the other. Right. Uh, they both work in tandem. Uh, and like we right. have reached this beautiful sweet spot now where it's like the, the sacred canon, whatever the lore that we love as fans mm -hmm. is this live action movie, but it's also that live action show. And it's also that animated show. And they are all giving the same amount of love and dedication to right. the story. So. And, and that and you're totally right andrew like one is not better or one's not more important than the other right right like animation yeah it's good it's deeper meaning you can get maybe a better like just a deeper knowledge of these characters but it's not more important than if you didn't watch any of that and you watched the ahsoka ahsoka show you'd be totally fine right because again they set her up in live action in mando and how popular that show was, again, you bring in a character like that that brings people's attention, like, oh, this Jedi, who's that? And then you start, again, that's where nerds like us say, you got to watch this stuff. And then they just keep they just keep it going, right? It's like, hey, catch up. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to not watch, but catch up when you can. Like, that, yeah. I think that's the beauty of it, right? I think that's the beauty of it. Now we've, we're at a point where we've gotten a bunch of these characters making the jump into the live action world. Mm -hmm. So Lauren, uh, where, uh, I know it's probably hard to choose, but <laughs> has there been a moment with a specific character making that jump that just felt the most right to you where you just were like, this is my favorite transition. Like th this was right. the best handled or just the one that gave you butterflies, like whatever. Oh man, that, I, I mean, can I cheat and say there's two? <laughs> I mean, really, there's three. Honestly, there's three. <laughs> I'll say there's three for me. One I'm, is, I'm not going to call foul on yeah, that. No, okay. Well, I appreciate that. No flags. Okay. So <laughs> I the first one, again, not in any order, but the first one is, is that Ahsoka appearance in Mando season two? I mean, you talk about the setup, right? I mean, the tease, like the couple weeks prior to that of Bo-Katan, again, Clone Wars to live action, right. Chef's Kiss, the name drop, right? And then the anticipation by us fans who know who that is. Like, oh my God, are we going to have to wait like the entire episode to see her? No, right there. Within 10 seconds, you're seeing those beautiful white sabers in the show. And you are just like, okay, I am in 100%. Rosario Dawson did a really good job portraying her and obviously continues to do a good job for me personally. But that moment of just seeing those white sabers and then seeing those, you know, lintro, like it was just, I was like, I, I could not believe I was seeing a character that I loved in animation in the live action. And it looked good. Right. Yeah. Again, you can, you can argue the first, you know, the, the tetrals and all that. Okay. I get it. People we can, that's, that's a discussion, but 
the look, the feel, the mannerisms, it was there. And it just, it was so, it was rewarding, right? It was rewarding for us fans that have been loving that character so much for her, her to make that jump and be the first one, right? One of the first. I mean, you could argue Chopper in Rogue One was kind of the first animation live action, technically. But you want to talk about big, big character, Ahsoka was, was it in Mando season two, right? Yeah. Then you go, you know, again, that happens. And then she shows up in, in what, Bo Book of Boba Fett, right? And sees Luke. That just, again, that's a whole different <laughs> ball of wax for me. I could, that's a three-hour podcast for me. <laughs> so, but again, Ahsoka, that moment in season two, Mando, was beautiful. I, for me, too, I got two, you know, the other one is Sabine in Ahsoka series. That intro with her on that, like, um, land scooter or whatever, on the bike, the rock music. I mean, it was just, I was like, yes, like this, this would be what she would listen to. This would be her attitude. This would be how she would act. It was just so perfect. Natasha did such a good job with that character. It was one of the highlights for me in the series. She did such a phenomenal job. So her, her intro, that intro was just awesome, right? Going down that, that, that road that I have seen a million times because I love rebels and going down out of Lothal and heading to heading to, um, you know, Ezra's house and everything. I just, I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. The whole thing, the whole thing, it was just beautiful. And then I will say for Ezra himself, who is one of my favorite Jedi, he's up there for me. I mean, he, I love that character. Again, it was maybe a, not a, big kind of like the Sabine or Ahsoka but the way he the way that she finds him and he's just leaning up against the thing and I'm just like that's that's Ezra that's Ezra yeah. that's how, that's how he would be acting very cool very calm very like you know not not you know um back offish but just you know just very cool calm collective like oh hey finally you're here like what took what took you so long like that was such an Ezra like moment for me and for us to see him, right, the last time we see that character, you know, spoiler alerts for anybody that hasn't watched Rebels, but we see him and Thrawn and take off with some space space whales, right? And we don't, for the longest time, that was, we don't know what happens to him. And then you finally see him in that show, in that moment. It was, again, one of those heartstring moments for me because I love that character so much. So those are probably my three. I know I cheated, Andrew. Forgive no, me, but three. Those are my three. Those are my three big ones, though, for sure. Those are great, and how Ezra. I love how Ezra and Sabine's friendship has not missed a beat yes, either. Yes, right? yes, 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 yes. Iman and I mean, yeah. Um, I think is it, is it Isman? I think is who the actor is um, and Natasha. Yes. Yeah. So good as Sabine and Ezra together. Exactly. They're friend that. That just solidified how, again, how important it was for them to get it right because they know how important these characters are in animation. And they know how big, big of a fans we are of those characters that they wanted to get it right. And they did. They did. Yeah. It was, oh, yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I think for me, the one that gave me the most goosebumps and, and, and the feeling of just... I can't believe we did this and we did it well, mm -hmm. uh, was Zep. Oh, good call. Oh, good call, man. Andrew, right? I'm like, with you. 
just a cameo, just a little cameo, but he, we, we, we're humans. We know what a human looks like. So when we see one represented on camera, whether it's animated or not, we can, we can recognize, Hey, that's a human. And that's why, you know, robots scare us because of the whole uncanny valley thing. <laughs> um, with Zeb, obviously he's not human. So mm -hmm. we kind of knew without even being told, because we didn't, nobody told us he was coming. We knew that if the day ever came where we saw Zeb in live action, it would be some kind of CGI thing. Mm -hmm. um, but that was never at the forefront of her minds. So not only does he pop up and mm -hmm. surprise us with mm -hmm. his appearance, but first of all, they have uh, um, Stephen Bloom, Steve, uh, voice yeah, Stephen Bloom, voices him against. So yep. he's he's on par. Like it's it sounds mm -hmm. like Zeb, mm -hmm. and you expect a little bit of change. I mean, like you look at the Grand Inquisitor looked mm -hmm. a little different in live action because he had to, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody has a head that big, as far as right. I can tell. So <laughs> right, right, you right, have, right. You have to make those compromises, and we understand that. But then, lo and behold, here comes Zeb with Steve Bloom's voice and zero compromise mm. to the way he looks like i'm talking mm -hmm. i don't know how they did it mm. but i feel like every meeting they would have to have when it comes to adapting these characters somebody has to be in the room to play devil's advocate and say okay guys this is not going to work in live action but this will and mm. for zeb it just feels like that guy was not in the room that day <laughs> like and no. everything worked out he is like one-to-one -one scale and I'm I'm still floored by it, yeah. the way he looked. Um, so I feel like that's that to me was the one that kind of uh, it eased my heart and soul because it made me think like <laughs> if we can do Zeb that perfectly, anything's yeah. possible. Nothing's it, off the table anymore. He he. It was so good. It was. I mean, it was one of those surprises, right? That you you didn't know. You did had no clue. Did not even have that in my bingo card of him showing up in that in the show right but then you see that beautiful purple lasat you hear steve bloom's voice and i about yeah i that was one of those moments though too where you you know i'm i'm leo dicaprio in the gift like pointing you know snapping yes. you're like oh my god they did it and he looks so good and that's the thing it it could have been just okay Right. And, and, and we probably would have accepted it. Like, Hey, you know what? You get it. It's a purple, you know, Wookiee that looks different. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be hard to replicate in live action. No, do they, like you're saying, I think the room was like, we have to get this right. Right. Like they mm -hmm. were the ones that were, you know, the Felonies and all of them were like, no, we have to get Zeb right. We have to, like, there's no, just, you, you can't sugarcoat it. He, he has that distinct look. So yeah, I, I I don't know how they did it, but they did it. The CGI looked great, and I I can't remember if some of it was mocap, a smidge. I can't. I I thought I've heard again. Maybe I, I could be completely wrong, but I thought there was a little bit of Steve Bloom mocap, but I could be totally wrong. But regardless, it like you're saying, it looked good, and it you know the blue fighter suit and just oh, it was so good. It was yeah. so good. It was so good. It was, it was so good. crystal clear Zeb. Like it couldn't have yeah. been any better. Um, and I'll also give a uh, an honorable mention here. You you brought up Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's very fitting that you did. Um, <laughs> a lot of actors, 
of Leo's ilk. You know, they they make their uh, they make their bread and butter on playing people who have existed in real life. That's a, a mm. actors, movie stars love that when it's like, hey, you have to play, you know, Napoleon. <laughs> and what Keith right. is like, yeah, right, yeah. Um, right. So you get uh, a lot of actors when they're playing somebody. Uh, who is a bit more contemporary than Napoleon, mm-hmm. you know, they they get sort of uh, part of the prestige of that role is how well can they imitate the yeah. person. Meryl Streep is amazing at that. Meryl Streep is a, a flawless imitator. Yeah, so whenever she, she has to play somebody who has existed in real life, like when she played Julia Child, it's like, wow. Why she's um, one of the best. Why she's yeah. one of the best. <laughs> so I want to give honorable mention uh, and like special props here to Natasha Bordizzo here because mm. uh, for mm. the way she tackled Sabine feels like the way a movie star would tackle one of those roles because everybody did a good job. Rosario did a good job. Uh, Iman Esfandi did a great job, but Natasha in particular, I, I don't know, maybe it's because of like I, my background in acting training. Maybe I can pick up these things. I don't know how, but I can see everything she's doing. I can see the work she put into it. I can see the research. This woman watched Sabine cartoons mm-hmm. to the point where like she had her body language down, uh, particularly when she's sitting on Ahsoka's ship and she's trying to force uh, the cup to move and it mm. doesn't move. She does this little thing with her mouth where she's just like, like she's, mm-hmm. she's pissed off at the cup. And I'm like, Sabine does that in the cartoon. Like, how did you do that? Uh, so, like, if there's if there's some kind of uh, Oscars we can give out here, I'm, I'm giving it to Natasha Portis. <laughs> oh, I oh, I'm I'm so with you. I, it's she really did. Again, I could talk about her that performance for a long time, but yeah, I again they did the homework because they care, right? I think Isman did the homework on Ezra, like because they know, like they know how important this character is how important that character was to so many fans. And then even, you know, how important it is to Dave. Because yeah. Dave created these characters. He's doing this Ahsoka show. You know, again, a character that him and George created together, Ahsoka. So, yeah, they they did the homework that you could tell they put in the work. You're 100% right, Andrew. They put in the work when they, they didn't have to. Right? They could have just like, oh, okay, I'll watch maybe a couple episodes. Or, no, I, okay, I, I'll... I'll do my own thing. I'll... No, they cared. They cared enough to, like you're saying, get the mannerisms, the little things right, and to just get that overall like sense of that character and really pull them straight from animation to live action. Like again, seamlessly. It, it is. She she did a wonderful job. 100. percent I agree with you. 100. percent There are a lot of actors out there, and this is unfortunate, but there are a lot who would have gotten cast in that role. Mm-hmm. And looked at it and just said, "Okay, show me a picture of Sabine." Okay, cool. Uh, and then they would have just gone from there. But this one took the time to understand why fans loved her. Like, why is this character being put in the show? Oh, because fans love her from this show. Well, I should see why. Um, and unfortunately, so many actors are very hasty to write that off right. because, again, because it's a cartoon. Right. Uh, so I'm glad she wasn't one of those. Um, Agreed. But, as a Clone Wars fan now, Lauren, <laughs> how did you feel? And I, I should have written her name down. I feel bad that I didn't because I can't remember it. But we got to see teenage Ahsoka. 
How Adriana, Adriana Greenblatt. Ar Ariana Greenblatt. Ariana. Ariana thank thank you. you. Yeah, that's it. Ariana Greenblatt. Um, Who played young Gamora in Infinity War? That's right. She's good at playing young aliens. Very good. <laughs> uh, how did that make you feel, that teen Ahsoka? Oh, man. I, again, one of those didn't have it on my bingo cards, but man, was I thrilled. I, I, it's just one of those moments where you almost, I don't want to say take it for granted, but it's just one of those moments where like, okay, that's young Ahsoka. Like that, that, no, we're in, okay, we are in the Clone Wars. That that's Anakin. Hayden is Anakin. Clone Wars Anakin. That that's a clone trooper. There's Rex and like like yeah. it was it was overload for nostalgia, which is, again it's not again. Some people might think that as a naughty word, but nostalgia done well is very very. It, it's good. It's good when it's done well. So when you see you know Adriana you know pull that look off and to go from this different couple different phases, right? Where you see early Ahsoka, like season one, season two, right? The outfit. Yeah. And then the jump though, the one that got me was the jump to the siege of Mandalore, because that is one of my favorite outfits, favorite looks of Ahsoka. And it looked amazing in live action. Like I would hoped it would be right into and for her to again have have the inclination to again care because I feel like she did a really good job in pulling what young Ahsoka was like, right? The back and forth between her and Hayden was so good, right? And then for her again, just to embody who that character was at that time or just to show who she was because again, it was kind of older Ahsoka, but going through like a quest type vision thing however you want to call it but she looked so good as those young as that young ahsoka the outfits everything and just her mannerism it was very again she cared right she cared because rosario dawson cared right because again dave filoni cared so you know it's it's an it's a it's a again you're like you're saying it's rare for an actor to really care about wanting to get it right. It's not like she was in it the entire, like it was one episode and not even like a full episode. Like it was just her and like, what, maybe a grand total of 10 minutes, maybe like if total, that. Yeah. if that, if that. So for her to care and for her to, again, feel appreciation for that character and for what she did and to want to get it right again, now that, you know, the strike's over and everything, you know, you see all this behind this behind the scenes stuff that they're, you know, all these actors are dropping is, and it's a beautiful thing to see her and Rosario and Hayden, you know, like all together, Rosario and Ashley Eckstein together, you know, it's, it's great, but yeah, for her to, you know, that moment when you see that young Ahsoka, cause at first it was hard. You're like, okay, is that like, I know that's Ahsoka, but that, is that Rosario? I can't tell. And then, you know, the, the slow pan forward and then it's young Ahsoka. And I was just like, Wow, we're going there. We're going there. And it was, and then that first sight of the clone, you know, a clone trooper running by, and then you see that blue lightsaber, and it's Hayden, though. That again, that one really threw me too is when you see Hayden dressed in the armor in Clone Wars, like that just, oh God, that blew my mind. But yeah, uh, you know, sticking with Adriana as young Ahsoka, it was perfect. 
It was perfect. And I didn't know I needed it. It's one of those moments for me, Andrew. I don't know about you. Didn't know I needed it. Glad I got it. Oh, Glad yeah. I got it. Yeah, I, I'm the same boat. I, I didn't know that that was missing from my life. There was a little teenage Ahsoka-shaped hole in my heart right, that right. has now been filled. <laughs> yeah. And that scene for me, that transcended so much of, of the whole uh, live action or animation to live action thing because it assaulted my senses in multiple <laughs> ways. Because there I am and I'm looking at the screen and we've been looking at Rosario this whole time. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden this other Ahsoka comes on and she's a million times closer to what we know of as Ahsoka Tano because we right. just spent so much more time with that version of Ahsoka. Right. Um, but then something else happens on top of it where I love Rosario. She's fantastic, but she doesn't sound like Ashley Eckstein. And then the second Ariana Greenblatt opens her mouth, she sounds like Teen Ahsoka. Hey, master. What, uh, I do not sound like her, but like that, the <laughs> right. voice that comes out of that kid right. sounds like Ahsoka's voice. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh my God, we're here. We're back in the Clone Wars. Right. And then to top it all off, they did something so interesting that I feel like now the, this opens even more possibilities in the future. And I want to see if, you know, if this happens, but mm -hmm. Hayden Christensen was doing a little bit of Matt Lanter. He, he wasn't. He sure was. Hayden, he right? sure was. Yes, and he was, Andrew. I was like, oh my God, like, Everything's different now. That history is going to be divided between before this and after this. <laughs> <laughs> it's that moment, right? It's that moment of wow, the possibilities, right? Yes. The possibilities of having Hayden. Love Matt Lantern. I think he is still one of the greats. And he did such a good job with that character during in the animation of Clone Wars. I don't want to take any way anything away from that because he did such a good job because he really again until we got clone wars we had hayden in two movies that was it that was all our anakin skywalker mm -hmm. he took anakin and really propelled him you and you can't take away you cannot take that away from him no. but when you bring in hayden and you bring in him to look and be that character younger to sound younger and to sound like Matt Lantern, I, you're like you're saying, Andrew. The possibilities, the possibilities where they can do more of this, you know, foresee, you know, world between worlds, you know, flashback stuff. Give it to me, give yes. it to me, because and I think what really propelled that for me as well, and I'd love to hear what you think about this too, is that the way they had him look. Again, you can tell a little bit of the de-aging, but that looked like that was 100% better than what we have seen previously. And, and that I couldn't, for me anyway, that look, having him look a little younger did not like, oh, I can tell. No, it looked good. It looked yeah. really, really good. The only one, the only moment where I was like, yeeks, was right before that episode, the end of episode four, is when we first see him. He looked a little shiny, a little bit. But, I, I again, it was one of those, I forgive it because it's Hayden. I don't care. But then you go to the next episode when you see him in the full, 
shorter hair. It looked so good. And they did such a good job of having him look younger, but not taking away Hayden, though, right? Like, having it still be Hayden, but you can tell, yeah, they de-aged, but they de-aged very well. I don't know if that's what how you took it, too, but, man, they did a really good job for me when they pulled that off. I did. I was... I, I'm very... Uh, blind when it comes to effects. Like I could watch 10 movies and people would say all 10 of those movies have horrible special effects. And I could be like, I'll take your word for it. Like I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't have that part of my brain that says that's a bad effect. Um, but I do recognize when some effects are better than others. And mm -hmm. it definitely was better in the Clone Wars flashback than it was in like the Obi-Wan show. For yes. Um, and yeah. Maybe that was just me getting caught up in the moment because I was, so in love with what I was watching, but yeah, he did look better <laughs> and sounding like Matt. Like, see, now that tells me, like, if uh, when, because I mean, it's only a matter of time, when we see Rex in live action, Whew. are we going to get some where Morrison doing a little bit of D Bradley Baker? Because why not? Right? Why not? Why not? I mean, I know we got that real quick shot of him in the helmet. You don't see. T, you know, T's face, but you hear his voice. So I would be interested to see what they do with that. If that's a route they go with him, because again, that iconic voice that D does for Rex, it's so uh, like, it's just so good. Right. And again, that's not to take away from, you know, Timur Morrison, right. He has a very distinctual voice for Boba Fett, right. He is Boba Fett. He is these clones because he was Django. So it's one of those, like, okay, if they kind of go that way, I'm okay with it. But if they just do what they did and it just be Tamora Morrison and there's not a D Bradley, again, sad I would be because I love D's voice for Rex, but you would kind of understand it in that respect a little bit, whereas because it's Tamora Morrison and he is Jingle Fett, he is Boba Fett. So the voice, you know, again, you can maybe forgive, but I, I, I'm with you, though. I'd be interested. I'd be interested if tomorrow would want and do that, right? It'd be interesting. I, I think it'd be very interesting. And that brings up a lot of possibilities, right? More Clone Wars flashbacks. I mean, let's more Ahsoka Rex in, uh, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan, right? I mean, throw throw Ewan in there. Make him look younger. I don't care. Give me the whole gang. Like, and maybe one day, if, if, you know, the gods smile on us, throw Padme in there, too. Ooh, right. Let me tell you, if we ever get Natalie Portman back, I would, I would be a very happy person. And I would hope, I would hope she'd want to do it. But again, if she didn't, I'd kind of understand because of, again, being Star Wars fans and them hating the prequels. Yeah. But again, I think the, the positives that she could maybe look at again in that scenario is that look how much Hayden Christensen has been beloved recently and 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 again it's not just it's 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 a commute it's star wars fans man we all we all love hayden we all want him to continue to play anakin freaking skywalker because he did such a good job and i know natalie again would do a good job if given another opportunity with panime for sure i'm with you man i'm with you bring the whole gang back together that'd be amazing that'd be oh, amazing i think i would weep yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, we would. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Not a dry eye. Not a dry no. eye. 
And then on top of all these characters, uh, we got in the span of a few years now, we have gotten two villains mm. who are blue. Da mm. da da. Mm. We got Cad Bane. We got Grand Admiral Thrano. Mm. Um, how did it feel seeing them make that jump for you? Ooh, Cad Bane. I'll, I'll start there because obviously he was our first blue boy that that to make the jump. That. To have it, um, I think it is it uh, Clancy that does his voice, Clancy Brown. Uh, no, it or is. is um, I think it's the same guy who did Obi Wan's voice. Uh, okay, I can't remember. But it's the same Corey, guy that some, Corey, Corey, some Corey. Oh, I don't want to say Burger, but so, so, right. But for him, for that voice actor to come back and do it, and again because they made his voice so distinctual like they did Thrawn. Well, I'll, I'll come, come back full circle, but because they made that voice so distinctual and for him to do it, I was, Oh my God, I was so happy. And he looked good. Like again, for an alien, for what they could do them in whatever prosthetics they had for the guy that was like in the suit and not do it. It was good. I loved it. I mean, he looked good. He, you know, the movements and the the swagger was just like the character that I remember in Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. But again, I think for me, it's the voice. It's the voice for the villain. So again, having Corey do the voice again was big, and for him again to be to be in that desert and to be like the you know the 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 lone gunman and all that stuff. It was so good. And then to have it again, Boba Fett versus uh, Cad Bane. Again, Clone Wars fans, kids, we know that history. We know how deep that goes. It was great. I love, I mean, again, more of him. I hope we see. I think we could, maybe. Fingers crossed. We could see him in, you know, in stuff, in, uh, in future stuff that, you know, has, you know, stories before all that. I, it'd be great. You know, and then you see our our next blue boy, Thrawn. I mean, again, it couldn't be anybody but Lars. It had to be. You, ha it's the voice. I go again. Him voicing Thrawn in Rebels was so good, right? Because it's just such a distinctual voice. Again, yeah. it, and it's just so villainous in a in a very simplistic way, almost, and just how he how he you know draws some words or how he speaks you could you have you have to paint Lars blue and you have to have him play Thrawn there was nobody else that could do it I'm sorry I would and not to say that it can't be right again not to say that an actor can't be up to the challenge but it's almost like I think Dave or and I think maybe just Lucasfilm overall knew okay the guy's good. He's a good actor regardless, right? Even without just being a voice actor. Lars is a good actor. So to, you know, have him be that character and to portray Thrawn in live action the way he did. I mean, again, talk about a, you know, a coming out party in live action. His, you know, intro was amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, stellar moment for me too. So yeah, I it's, again, fun to see our heroes even i think as fun to see some of our favorite villains like cad bane like thrawn make that jump because again how important they are in the story right i mean again 
you have Boba Fett and you, you know, if you know Clone Wars, Kate, Cat Bane's a big part of that. So yeah, having him in that show was a really good choice, a smart move. And then again, you, we know how, you know, Thrawn is in Rebels and we know the connection between him and Ezra. And we know that was a big part of the Ahsoka series. So having him show up and not to just to be in one episode, but to be in like, well, I think it was the last three that he was in. That was big. Because again, I, I, as a fan of Thrawn, want people who don't know him to really grasp how different of a villain he is and how important he is. And how dangerous he is. And I think they did a good job. They sprinkled. I'm excited to see what they do with him moving forward. Again with everything that happened in the Ahsoka series. There's a lot that can happen. And I think they're setting him up to be somebody important. In again just my opinion. And, I, and I'd love to give your thoughts too Andrew. I think he'll be the the, the guy in Filoni's movie. That kind of connects the whole Mando verse would make sense. I think that's the route they go. But being able to use Lars now as Thrawn is great. And to be able to use him in again, you can maybe throw him in Mando season 4. You can throw him into these other shows because now we know who he is. Now he yeah. has entered the chat as, you know, as yeah. cool as, as cool kids say or as the youngsters say. So yeah, I uh I loved it. I mean, I love to hear what you think. I mean, it was, it's a big moment for villains, right? Not even for our heroes, but to get villains in live action, it's pretty big. Oh, I think totally. it's pretty big. Especially when they look so inhuman and distinct. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah, getting Lars was the best choice. I've never seen him in live action, so I had no idea how much he looks like Thrawn anyway. Like, he, he just has the same silhouette, and, and, and like, they didn't have to do much except grab some paint, <laughs> right? So... That I, I loved how easily that transition. It's just mm. it's it's a blue man in a white suit and done wrong, it could look kind of dorky, but I think they did it as beautifully as they could. And when it comes to a cartoon character, the voices are so iconic that if yeah. you didn't get Lars back, whoever stepped into that role ran the risk of either not doing the voice justice or trying too hard and just coming across as a poor imitation, right? So you could really, that could have easily been messed up. Yeah. Um, and I I think that now with the Thrawn of it all, yeah, it's exciting <laughs> to me because even though I've loved like pretty much all the stuff that Disney Star Wars has brought out, this is the first time that it really feels in a, kind of Marvel, but not sort of Marvel way, that stuff is pointing to something. Mm. That everything is a signpost saying, like, we are building towards a cool, cool thing. So here's other cool, cool things that get you there. Yeah, uh, And that, to me, is exciting because I love that type of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted Star Wars to embrace that. And it's slowly but surely creeping in. Um, with Cad Bane, he was my favorite Clone Wars character. Mm. Uh, Mm. Ahsoka was right under him, but he, he was my favorite. I love Cad Bane. I love the way he looks. Um, my only qualm with live action Cad Bane was they had this weird thing in the cartoons where every time you see him, his hat gradually gets smaller and smaller. Uh, and in live action, he had the smallest hat imaginable. And I'm just like, I miss your big hat, man. What's going on? <laughs> I, I, want, yeah, like, I want him to not be able to get through doorways. That's how big that hat should be. <laughs> Uh, so I, I wish he had died with the, with the stellar hat on, but other than that, he mm. looked perfect. He sounded perfect. He was adequately scary. Like when you see him 
from afar, yes. right? Yeah. He, he cuts a distinct silhouette on that desert. Yeah. Um, and they, I think they did him justice. And even though that was his time to go, what a way to go. It, it was, right? I mean, it was a great way for that character. But again, I think if if you they want to pull him out, they can if they got yeah. another story like prior to that, you know, Boba Fett, you know, uh, stuff happening. They got they got, they got the prosthetic. They have you know they got the voice guy. And the one thing I really hoped to have seen is him flying with his boots. I, again, I'm hoping cross fingers maybe in another project yeah. that we can get him in. We can see him flying around on it. But yeah, no, I agree. I think you know. The, the hat the hat uh the hat of it all it was it was it was a choice but again you kind of understand it to a certain degree right because again not everything can translate like we've kind of talked about earlier it can't always translate from animation to live action right like you're right. saying like like the grand inquisitor you're not gonna make that dude's head that big you're just not like it's just not gonna work that way so you gotta make some sacrifices but yeah i think overall with both of them I agree with you, Andrew. I think they both they did a really good job bringing those two to live action and to be menacing, though, right? That was the key yes. to make them menacing because they are villains in the end. Yes, and that could have so easily gone wrong and looked laughable, but never. You're scared of them every time they're on screen, which is exactly what you want. Yep. Um, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to finish this video off with two big questions, Laura. Right. They are they are big ones, so. <laughs> I'll pose them to you one at a time. And okay. if you have an answer right off the bat, go for it. If you need a second to think, I'll answer first, whatever you want. Um, these are big ones. Okay. okay, I'm ready for you, Andrew. First one is you get to go into the room at Skywalker Ranch or whatever, and you get to pick one live, uh, sorry, one animated character or creature or planet or whatever or element and bring it into live action, what are you picking? Animation to live action. You know, real quick off the top, I would do something with the Bad Batch. Can be easily done. It's, you know, again, you got the clone trooper stuff. You can easily do that. Maybe it'd be harder to find the actors because, again, they're supposed to be clones of Django, but you could maybe... You could maybe argue that because they are, you know, defective, they don't exactly look like Tamara Morrison. But I think, you know, that those characters and that that story, for me, I loved I've loved Bad Batch the first two seasons. I'm excited for season three. I'm excited to see what they do with those characters. I think it would be cool to see them in live action. I really do. Even even if it's just one of those they have their helmets on, and maybe they you let D Bradley just voice them through the helmets you know for a quick but i would love i would love a live action story with those guys because i think it'd be again the storytelling would be great they're they're very interesting and fascinating characters you could you could tell a lot of different stories with them and you can really even dive deeper into the whole clones of it all right post order 66 what happened and you can follow that like we are with the show but follow it more in live action with those characters i think that would be for me that's that's definitely a an option i think they could do and i think it would again be one of those seamless things that i think could work for me 
Right. And you know what, Lauren? That's exactly my answer to this question too. Is <laughs> I'm going with the Bad Batch. Um, and I would love, uh, I want them to go full Eddie Murphy, Nutty Professor, like get somewhere love Morrison it. in there. Love it. Stick him in prosthetics if you have to, but film him five times uh, <laughs> and just have I'll fun take with it. that. Oh my God. You know, and he would be up to it, don't you oh, think? Totally. Totally. He, he would have a ton of fun doing that, mm -hmm. especially because he just based off, you know, the things I've seen him in, he is an actor who gets typecast. He gets typecast mm -hmm. as an intimidating, gruff guy. Um, and all the other non-Star Wars things I've seen him in, which aren't many, like I can think off the top of my head, Aquaman and Barbarella. Like that's, those are the only two. I can Pretty much it is all I know too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's the same thing. Like he is a tough, gruff guy who's like, Ooh, that guy's intimidating. I don't want to mess with him. And as an actor, I can only imagine Morrison would be thrilled at the prospect of being mm. like, okay, when you're Hunter, yeah, that's kind of who you got to be. But when you start to play tech, you're going to have a lot of fun with that. When you play Wrecker and he's like just this big, dumb, lovable oaf, <laughs> you're going to have fun with that because you've never gotten to play those kind of people. Mm -hmm. So I, I know if I got cast in some kind of role like that, I would be eaten. I would be having the time of my life with that kind of thing. Yeah, um, and then. Yeah, I, I would, that'd be so much fun. And then seeing Omega as well. Uh, obviously, don't get to where I'm wearing a player. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be a little odd. But I'm sure there's, there's somebody out there that they can find who can, who can come on and, and be mm -hmm. this little blonde kid uh, with, with her bow and just kick ass alongside the Bad Batch. I think that'd be so yep. much fun. I agree. I'm with you, man. I'm with you on that one for sure. Bad yeah. Batch all the way, all the way. One day, one day it'll have Mandalorian season four. I love uh, it. Love it. And now the second of these big questions is mm -hmm. opposite of this, Lauren. Mm -hmm. uh, you get to take an aspect of Star Wars characters, planets, whatever things, and take it and put it from live action into an animated format. How are you playing with that, and what are you choosing? I would go. This might be an interesting choice. I would go maybe sequel trilogy i think i would do again have daisy voice some ray stuff give us some context of what she was doing post um you know rise of skywalker throw in john boyega in there obviously um oh god who played uh poe oscar just, thank you oscar he already did he already voiced um poe in resistance that's right. You know, so again, in that in that type of medium, you can tell some really good stories, right? You can kind of go in some kind of weird, which I love sometimes when Star Wars goes weird. You can go into those kind of weird scenarios where she's in she and Finn are on a planet and, you know, like in Bad Batch, there's some, you know, you know, almost Godzilla-like monster like you can do those fun things and keep it in animation, but keep the lore and kind of keep the story going until, you know, till her movie comes out in 2020, whatever. Right. Yeah. I think that would be for me. And I think it would mean a lot to the fans of the sequel trilogy, because again, as you know, as some people might not want to recognize, there are a lot of fans of the, of the sequel trilogy, just like, there were a lot of fans of the prequels, right? And mm -hmm. look what has happened since then. All the people that have loved the prequels, myself included, 
are being fed all that stuff. Hayden, Ewan, the, all that like prequel era is getting a lot of love. Let's start there with the sequel trilogy. Start it in animation and then grow it into maybe live action. But I think those are the characters. You know, I think those are the ones that could really do a good job of in animation, tell some fun stories, follow, you know, follow these characters on their adventures. And it would be, I think it would be a success, especially if you can get the daisies, the, the Johns and the Oscars to, to voice it. I think that's, that would be my personal choice. I love that. And that's a great point, Lauren, to make where you take the concept of, we are going to bring back the sequels and make all of its fans happy. And you start it with the animation and work your way. That's, that's an awesome way to look at it. It's very, uh, it's very sort of on brand with how Lucasfilm works to get you pumped more and more with each passing thing. Yep. Uh, yeah. I like that. And as a guy who really, really had a lot of fun with the sequels too, I'm, I'm on board to see all those characters again. Um, my answer to this question is going to be maybe a little bit greedy, <laughs> but it's something that I think, like, I can't think of a single Star Wars fan who would say, no, I don't want this, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is, I believe that the Clone Wars did such a good job of filling in that blank between episodes two and three. Mm -hmm. uh, the very nature of how Star Wars stuff comes out in such a chronologically wacko way, it leaves a lot of blanks, particularly mm -hmm. where the movies are concerned. There's a lot of blanks in between them. And I love when storytellers, particularly like Filoni's crew, fills in those blanks and they make it so good that mm -hmm. it, it makes the movies that touch those blanks even better by comparison. So, uh, or rather even better um, by association, not comparison. Mm -hmm. um, so what I would like in my greedy world that I know everybody would get on board with here is if I was running the show there, I would say we are going to have three animated series running concurrently. And each one takes place within like one of them is in the prequel era. One is in the original era. One of them is in the sequel era. Because those are three totally different flavors of Star mm, Wars. I like that. Um, and particularly I think, Right after Jedi is a good place to put a, a cartoon. I mean, it's the best way to continue Han and Leia and Luke's adventures mm -hmm. right now. Like it, it, it is the best way. As much as we would love recasting or or whatever or de-aging, what like there's pros and cons, but this is the best way to do it. Um, and the the prequel era makes me so happy, Lauren. Like I can't describe. There's just something about the Star Wars galaxy in the era of the prequels that like, if there's a heaven, it's just me getting to walk around <laughs> on my course. Uh, so a cartoon set in the huge 10 year gap between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, Ooh. I would eat that up like the serial Ooh. guy in Andor. Mm. I, would just, mm. I like that. I like that a lot. There's a so, lot of stories to tell. I agree with that. Ooh, that's a good one. So, that's a good yeah. one. And, and then something in the sequel era that, that ties all that stuff together in a nice bow too, like you said, I'm all for it. But imagine those three shows running and like, you know, in, in February, they, they start, you know, the, the prequel era show. And then in October, you get 
the original era show and then the next February you get the sequel era show and then they, they kind of alternate like that. Oh my God, I would have so much fun with that. That is one of those, you get everybody on board, like you said, Andrew, and you hit everybody's prequel love, OG love, sequel trilogy love, right? Yeah. And if you can do it concurrently, I, I'm with you, especially in animation. And especially I'm with you when it comes to the prequels between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. There is so much that they could tell with Obi-Wan, with a very, very young Anakin, with Yoda, with Master Windu, with what was going on that got us to that point, right? I, yeah, no, I, I would love that show. The one that I think would be very intriguing, and I, I have thought about that too, and I, I'm so glad you brought it up, is the one with the original trilogy, post-Return of the Jedi. It's the smart thing to do with where we are, right? Because of you know, the age, again, time, time is, time is time. Yeah. Mark's getting older. You know, obviously um, Harrison Ford's older. You can't tell that story in live action. You just can't. As much as we would love it, would love it and the de-aging, there's a limit for me to where, okay, we've gone too far. Yeah. Animation is the perfect medium for those Han, Leia, you know, Luke, Chewie adventures of what did they do post-Return of the Jedi. That's fascinating. And if you really wanted to, you know, have fun with it, have Mark voice Luke. He's there. He's a great voice actor, as we all know. Let's do it that way. And then again, like you're saying, it, you can, you know, the voice actors in you know clone wars and obviously you know hayden and matt that's so nobody nobody cared right it's okay right you can, you can do that with han and again carrie r.i.p we all love our princess leia but i think it would be okay in my opinion if that's the way you do if you do an animation if you want to tell a story with leia but you know before we get to the you know the the sequel trilogy you do it in animation. You have somebody voice it. Maybe you have her daughter voice the uh, yeah, the yeah, character. Good call. So, I mean, there's a lot of things you could do with that era. And I, I'm with you on that one. Because I think that would uh, appeal to a lot of fans. Right? And I think it would really show that, you know, we still love the original trilogy. Right? We, we know this is where it started. Let's continue those stories because a lot of us fans. I mean, right? Let's what? What did Han and Chewie and Luke do in Leia? Like, what? What did they do post Return of the Jedi? That's a fascinating story to tell. You can tell a lot of it because there you have like thirty, almost thirty years of a gap that we don't know what they were doing. We know some other stuff like outside of them what was happening, right? Because of Mando and Ahsoka. But yeah, that that would be a a wonderful series. I think I'm with you, and and I will say this though, and I think you and I might have talked about this before on the podcast. But an animation, a a another, because again, Clone Wars was a movie, kids. It it was a theatrical movie. Mm -hmm. I would love another theatrical animation movie, and I think they can do it. I think it's the right time to do it. I think the technology or just the animation where it is now and how good it can be. Cause look at what bad batch was. Look at like the season seven of clone wars. 
you can make it look really good and really like have that Star Wars feel, even though it's animation. I, I think it's there. I think it's there. Oh, I think yeah. it's time. And they could totally, if they make this post Jedi show, that would totally be a good thing to do, is do exactly what we did with Clone Wars the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. This one would definitely make more money than Clone Wars the movie because back then nobody knew they they were in for what they got, mm -hmm. and they're just like, oh, what's this cartoon? Um, but that's the place to do it, and there's mm -hmm. so much to mine there. I, ever since I was little, I've always wanted to see like Luke, Leia, and Han. And like all their friends, like Lando and the droids and, and, and Chewie and everybody, like I want to see them in their equivalent of like the shawarma scene. Like, what do they do when there's no war? And they're just like, hey, pa pass the uh, yoga berries, whatever. And they're just sitting around. And Leia's like, hey guys, I got a dirty joke for you, right? She's right, like, right. Like, I, I want to see that. I want to see them doing that stuff. And that's the perfect place for it. Yeah, and and you like you're saying, I think people would flock, especially if it is those characters and again if you get mark to voice luke that you bring that piece in even if he's just the one original that, it works it works it works to tell that story i agree i agree and you've got the formation of the new republic there as your, yep. your spine of your story so it's not an aimless show like mm -hmm. you have a story these guys are trying to start uh, hit the reset button on the galactic republic not mm -hmm. easy no. Uh, which means we get some Mon Mothma goodness. Uh, we'll get some Akbar goodness. Like this, this show, I'm already waiting in line. To watch. <laughs> Where are the ticket? Where are the ticket? <laughs> but clearly, uh, one day we might get our wish. But uh, I yeah. mean, until then, we can just sit and hope and stare at the stars and the twin sunsets. Yeah. Um, Lauren, uh, where can the good people find you when you're not here chatting Star Wars with us? Do you have anything you want to plug? Anything on the go? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. This is always fun. Love talking Star Wars with you guys, and it, it's such a it's such an honor. So thank you so much. Yeah, you guys uh, can follow me on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it now. All all the major platforms, though. Really, it's at uh, Loro Knows. Uh, you can follow me there. You can follow the Galactic Podcast, the podcast where me and my cousin Andrea do at um, the Galactic Pod on all the social platforms, and then we are on Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, all the all the major stuff. So Go listen to us. We have a good time, just like just like Andrew and I just did. We have a good time just talking Star Wars, man. Just having fun with it. Uh, that's kind of where we where we live. So yeah, go check us out. Beautiful. Uh, you can find me sometimes on Twitter, but it's become a place where it's not like Lauren said, and people like to not have fun with stuff. So that's why I tend to stay away. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Andrew Fantasia. Uh, but most of the time, you can find me all of the time. You can find me on Amazon, or rather, you can find my babies on Amazon. My, my self-published fantasy novel, We Were Wizards, is there right now. And if you don't like hardcovers, it's got paperbacks and it's even got ebooks. And the second one is already there, too. So it's two giant books for the fantasy fan in your life or the fantasy fan in someone else's life that you happen to know tangentially because we are all connected by the great circle of life, as Darth Vader once said. <laughs> well, until next time, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, on this merry crusade of being Star Wars fans in 2023. Uh, <laughs> we will see you all again shortly. Until then, Lauren, you are always scum. Rebel scum. Hey!